Hey, this is Steve with Life Worth Living. Today we're going to have our third and final podcast on how to be victorious like David was victorious over Goliath. And today we're going to study in particular how David spoke to Goliath. What things did he say to Goliath? Because Truly, before you have victory, you have to have the victory in yourself. God has to give you the victory in your mind. And in reading what David said to Goliath, we see clearly the victory he was already enjoying before Goliath ever fell. And so we're going to study this carefully. I think it's going to help you enormously with the battles that you're having in your mind and your emotions and your thoughts uh, and situations. And so I look forward to sharing this with you and seeing you be blessed. And so God wants you to be victorious over your Goliath and every single one of us has at least one big old mammoth Goliath that we're fighting. But God wants to give you victory. And today we're going to cover the third part of this series that we've been studying that you can be victorious just like David was victorious over Goliath. That is the longest sermon title I think I've ever seen in my life. All right, but God wants to give you the victory. And I want to remind you of one thing. I'm not going to go over the whole story up until now. We have recordings. You can go onto our website and get those get those recordings. If you receive a text, you'll see you'll get the recording link that way as well. But listen to this. Remember from last week, a reward always follows a spiritual victory. A reward always follows a spiritual victory. So when you beat your Goliath, God is going to give you the reward that you're looking for and probably even more so. Goliath had to be taken down first and then the reward came to David of wealth in his case, being part of the king's family, tax exemption. But first, Goliath had to come down. And so often, remember, we're looking for the reward, but we don't want to have to go through Goliath. But God's saying, you know what? You're not going to get your reward because I want you to get your victory. Your victory is more important than your reward. And so Moses, you know, he wanted his reward was to get to the other side of the Red Sea. But victory came when the when the sea was parted. What if God would have just picked Moses and the Israelites up and transported them right over to the sea? They would have gotten what they wanted, but they would have never experienced the powerful, miraculous victory that God had for them. You see, God wants you to experience victory. Nehemiah, for him in the Bible, he was trying to build the city, the, the walls of Israel, the walls of Jerusalem, and uh, his reward was a safe city. Can you turn me up a little bit? I feel like I'm, my volume's going down. God, God wanted him, you know, his reward to have a safe city. He wanted a wall around his city. But the victory was building the wall in 52 days. God wants you to get involved in your victory and stop whining and complaining and wanting him to do all the work. He wants you to stand up and start fighting like the man of God that you are, like the woman of God you are, and stop asking for him to do everything. He wants you to get down on your knees and start praying for victory. He wants you to win. You know, the, the healing is a reward. We want to feel healthy again, but the victory is following God through that faith experience so that we can be fearless in the midst of sickness. 
He wants you to experience that kind of victory. And so remember to be hungry for victory. The reward will come. Stop seeking the reward and start seeking that spiritual victory that God wants to give you. Just a reminder from last week. But let's jump right in to 1 Samuel 17. And uh, we're going to start in verse, if my eyes will work here, verse 37. Verse 37, right midway through it actually. But Saul, if you recall, David comes up to Saul because Saul's called him in because he's hearing all these positive statements that David is saying, I'll go against Goliath, I'll go do it. So call, Saul, the king, brings David in. And, uh, and, and Saul remembered, Saul tells him, you can't do it, David. You're, you're too small. But David tells him of his previous victories he's had. Remember, you've had previous victories. Don't forget the victories that God has already given you because they're working up to the victory that God wants to give you today. And so Saul goes ahead and tells David, go, go and the Lord be with you. And so then Saul dresses David in his own tunic. Can you imagine this young, probably a high schooler, and says, you know what, here, go ahead and put on my tunic. I want you to be protected. He puts on a helmet on his head. He fastens his sword around David's waist, and he tries to walk around. But you know what? He wasn't used to these things. He wasn't used to the way that Saul did things. He was only used to the way that God did things. He said, I can't go in these things. He said, because I'm not used to them. So he took them off. I'll tell you what, we need to start getting used to God's spirit. Get used to God's promises. Get used to God's way of doing things and saying, I'm not going to do it the old way I used to do things. I'm going to start doing it God's way. It feels uncomfortable to use my impulsiveness anymore or to use my harshness anymore or to use my manipulative nature. They don't fit me anymore. I'm going to get rid of these and I'm going to start clothing myself with the spirit of God, with the promises of God, with a way of God's doing things. They don't fit me anymore. Are you following me? God wants us to start walking in his spirit, in, his, in obedience to him and faith to him. And spiritual victories are only won through God's power, not through your power. It's not by might. It's not by human power. It's by the spirit of God. That's how we're going to start winning. In fact, Romans says uh, that by the spirit, we'll start putting to death the misdeeds of the flesh. You can't do it in your own strength. You need God's power to start helping you. And that's what I meant when I said you need to start doing your part. You start seeking God. You start humbling yourself before God. You start praying. You start reading your Bible. God's power is going to start showing up in your life. The things that you've been waiting for that don't seem to come to you, start start allowing God's power in your life. Start seeking God. Start crying out to God. Stop worrying, and God's power is going to start showing up in those situations that are so impossible for you. Strip off what you've been depending on, and God will help you do this, by the way, and start trusting and relying exclusively on the power of the Holy Spirit. Look at some of these verses that might inspire you to do this. Deuteronomy uh, chapter 20, verse 4, it says, For the Lord your God is the one. 
It doesn't say that you're the one. It says the Lord your God is the one who goes with you to fight for you. Listen to this. He goes with you. If you're not going anywhere, God's going to stay right with you. But you're not going to go anywhere. But if you start moving towards your enemy as David moved towards Goliath, God is going to go with you. He says he'll go with you to fight for you against your enemies to give you the victory. God wants his people, his children, to start getting the victory in their lives and stop living a defeated, defeated life. Ephesians 6 verse 10 it says, finally be strong in who? In the Lord, not in yourself. Don't dig deeper. You're not going to find anything inside yourself. Stop trying harder. It's not going to work. But start being strong in the Lord and what? In his mighty power. And this word mighty in the Greek means the action of his power. It's where God says, all right, I'm powerful. Now I'm going to take action. Psalms 3 verse 8 says, from the Lord comes deliverance. From Jesus comes deliverance. So start looking up and saying, God, I'm moving. I'm moving towards my enemy, and I'm expecting you to come with me and deliver me from my enemy. May your blessings be on your people, Psalms 3, uh, 8 finishes. Joshua 10, 8, the Lord said to Joshua, and he says to you, do not be afraid. I have given them into your hands. Not one of them will be able to withstand you. And he told Joshua, he said, not a single person will be able to withstand you all the days of your life. Why? Because of the power of God, not because of Joshua's power, because of God's power. Zechariah 9.15, the Lord Almighty will shield you. He will destroy and overcome with sling stones, pointing back to what had happened to David. God is going to use unbelievable things in you, little things that you don't think are much, to overcome your enemy. First uh, Corinthians 15, 57, 57 says, but thanks be to God, he gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. He's given you victory. He's saying here, take it from me. Stop trying to get the victory yourself. Stop trying to use your own approach to things. And let me start winning your victories for you. Start looking at me. Did you know that whenever you worry, you're not looking at God? Whenever you start carrying all those burdens on your back, you're not looking at God. And when you're not looking at God, you're just like Peter. You start sinking. When you start saying, you know what, though? I'm going to stop looking at my problems, and I'm going to start looking at Jesus by reading his word, by claiming his promises, by praying to him. You know what? Your faith starts coming up, and you start winning the victory. But when you're worrying, you are not looking at Jesus. A lot of people say, I spent an hour praying today. I spent 30 minutes praying. And a lot of times that's not true. They spent 30 minutes worrying, not praying. When you pray, you pray powerfully. You pray in faith. You believe that God is hearing you, that he's acting on your behalf. So don't confuse worry and prayer. Those are two very different things. All right, so uh, we've read these scriptures that hopefully inspire us to start getting our victory from the Lord. But it says in verse 40, going back to 1 Samuel 17, it says, Then he took his staff in his hand, David did, chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in his pouch of his shepherd's bag, and with his sling in hand, he approached his Philistine. 
<laughs> and I said his Philistine. I changed that a little bit because you need to begin to approach your Goliath. Come in and start facing him. Instead of cowering in fear, start facing the thing that you fear the most. Come up to him. You know, David had nothing except for what he had. <laughs> Listen to that statement. I'm not, this isn't on the screen. David had nothing except for what he had. And you, you might look at yourself and say, I don't have anything. But God says, yes, you do. You do have something. And I want you to start going up to your Goliath with the little bit that you have. In fact, God told Gideon, it's interesting. He said, go in the strength that you have. And Gideon went on and said, I'm the least. I'm no good. I'm, you know, blah, blah, blah. I tell you what, you have nothing except for what you have. You have a little bit of faith. You have a little bit of hope. You have some intelligence. You have a lot of experience. You have something. So you may say, I have nothing, but you do have something. And God wants you to start using the little bit of faith that you have. He wants you, if you say, I don't have much time, use the little bit of time that you have. I don't have, I'm ADD, I don't have a lot of attention. Use the little bit of attention that you have. I can't retain anything. Yes, you can. You can retain a little bit. Go in the little bit that you have. And each one of these stones, I suspect, are, were simple prayers. He picked up five smooth stones. They were simple prayers that you have as well. They were simple scripture that you can quote, that you can stand on the word of God. Use what you have as David used what we, he had. He had nothing except for what he had. As long as you sit motionless, listening to your enemy, cowering, thinking that you're never going to accomplish anything, that you're never going to get anywhere, that you're never going to catch a break, that's exactly what's going to happen to you. You're going to be a self-fulfilling prophecy. But stand up. Let the David inside of you stand up. Let the Israelite part of you shrink back and start being the man or woman of God that God has called you to be. Don't sit motionless. Because when you go in motion, God's going to show up in his full force. God's power isn't going to show up in our lives until we start taking steps towards our enemy, and the power of God, I promise you, is going to show up in your life, in your situation. So step out, confront, and attack your Goliath, and God's power is going to show up in the fullness and the power that it is. Meanwhile, the Philistine, this big old Goliath guy, with his shield bearer in front of him, kept coming closer to David, and that's what's going to happen. When you start coming at your enemy, your enemy is going to come even closer to you. Well, that's good. It's time for victory when that happens, when you engage. He looked David over and saw that he was little more than a boy, glowing with health, and he despised him. David had been despised by his brothers. The king had told him he couldn't do it, and now his very own enemy, as you would expect, was telling him he couldn't do it as well. That's all you're ever going to get is you can't do it, you can't do it. That's when you've got to turn your ear to your father and ask him what he thinks about your situation. 
God, what do you think about this impossibility? What do you think about this mountain? What do you think about this sickness, this financial struggle? What do you think about this dead end that I'm facing about? God, what do you think? And you start listening to your father because he's going to give you some positive faith-built visions of your future that you could have never gotten on your own. Praise God. So uh, he despises him. And I want to remind you of something I said two Sundays ago. The devil hates you. Satan hates you. He would would like nothing less than to see your life completely ruined, to be physically suffering, emotionally suffering, your marriage completely failed, lose your job, lose your income. He'd like you to have the most miserable life you possibly could. And you need to remember that he is your enemy. And you can't have a little truce with the devil where we say, okay, well, let's have this line. I'm not going to step over if you don't step over. He is going to step over and he's going to come after you until you buck up and you decide, you know what? It's either him or me and it's not going to be me. I'm coming after my enemy. I'm coming after my enemy. You must hate him back and mercilessly attack him because he's going to mercilessly attack you. He said to David in verse 43, he said, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? Here's this little boy with a stick and a little slingshot. And the Philistine cursed David by his God. He said, Come here, and I'm going to feed your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. And I'm telling you, the devil is telling you that all the time. I'm going to mess you up. I'm going to mess you up, and you're never going to recover from it. Now look at this. David says to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin. And I want us to dissect what David says to his Goliath, because it's the same thing you need to tell your Goliath. So let's, let's just slow down here, and let's go statement by statement and see what David says. So he says, You come against me with uh, your sword, with your spear, with the javelins, with the weapons that I can see. Now look at this statement that I wrote down in my journal on the next slide here. You come against me with threats of danger, hopelessness, lost family members, sickness, financial disaster, worry, panic attacks. So we got to translate what David says into our language, into our situation, into our context. All right. That's what you can say tomorrow morning as you start thinking about your impossibility. Say, I'm going to speak to my impossibility right now. You come against me with all of these things and narrow it down to what impacts you. But now let's go back to the verse. And he says, David says, but I come against you now. The tables are turning. You've been coming against me for 40 days, but guess what? Now I'm going to start coming against you because I'm absolutely fed up with this situation. I'm fed up with the impossibility, and I'm fed up with not thinking that my God can't overcome you because he can. He says, but I come against you, what? In the name of the Lord Almighty. Let me ask you, now that Jesus, the Son of God, has come and died for our sins, He's been resurrected. He's now seated at the right hand of the Father, interceding for you. Whose name should you plug in here when you say this tomorrow morning? Let me hear you say it. Jesus. That's exactly right. I come against you in the name of Jesus Christ, is what I come against you. God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. All right? 
Now let's let's put that into our terms now and read this. Uh, you say, you know what, tomorrow morning you come against me with all these threats and dangers and panic and all this stuff. You know what, but I am going to start coming against you. In the name of Jesus, the Son of God, you are an enemy of God. You are the enemy, in fact. Therefore, I come against you with a the fury and the power of heaven to completely annihilate you. You're in oppressing a child of God who I am. You're attempting to oppress my father and therefore you're going to suffer the consequences of hell. You see, you have a lot more power and authority as a child of God than you give yourself credit for. God's telling you, you can do this. You can stand against all those thoughts that barrage your mind, that plague you, that beat you down. It's time for you to stand up spiritually. Because I'm telling you, when you win this spiritual battle, this battle of the mind, this battle of the soul, God is going to reward you with what you're looking for. So I encourage you to start taking the steps of a mighty person of God, all right? Somebody who's thought of very highly in heaven and start taking steps against your enemy. Now look at what else David says in verse 46, if I'm not mistaken. He says, this day, this very day, today, not next week, not 10 days from now, not a month from now, not half a year from now, not a year from now, today. And this is how we need to start living I'm going to get the victory today. I don't have to wait any longer. Am I going to get my reward today? No, maybe not. But you're going to get the victory today. I'm going to get my victory today. And I hate to put Don on the spot, but I'll tell you what. Over the last four weeks, I've heard Don's faith, instead of being oppressed, his faith just kept getting stronger and stronger and stronger, even though there was no answer, even though he was hearing negativity and it can't happen and it's not going to happen. And, and three people against him who, who may, had all the decision making about his situation. And yet somehow Don kept getting the victory day after day after day after day. And guess what? When he got the victory, he got the reward. He's a living testimony of what we're trying to talk about today. Not just about David thousands of years ago. No, this was this very week, and it can happen to you as well. Everybody say, it can happen to me. Say it again. Let me hear you. I want you to believe that. It can happen to you. You need spiritual victory so that you can start getting the rewards that you're seeking for in life. That lost loved one saved, that sickness healed, that financial situation remedied, that marriage put back together again, that hopeless job situation taken care of. It can happen to you. So let's start standing up like David stood up. Let's start confronting our giant and let's start talking David language, David's language here. This day, Lord, you're going to devi- you're going to deliver uh, I, the Lord's going to deliver you into my hands. I will strike you down and I'm going to cut off your head. You see, spiritual warfare is vicious. It's brutal. It's either you or the enemy. 
and it's not going to be you as we've said already. And I'm going to strike you down this very day. He says it twice. I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army, not only you, but the army behind you to the birds and the wild animals and the whole world will know that there's a God in Israel. I'll tell you what, you know what you need to say to yourself and Tina and I have been saying this. You know what? One of these days, the world's going to know that there's a God in the Norman household <laughs> because of the victory. The world is going to know that there's a God in life worth living church. And as I pray for you individually, I say, the world's going to know that there's a God in your life. Everybody, because of the victory and the reward that happened, everybody is going to know that there's a God in your life, the living God in your life. That's what God is looking for. God, in, in a very, he's not selfish, he's not impure in his motives, but he wants to know that his creation knows who he is. That's why the Bible says someday, the glory, the knowledge of the glory of the Lord will cover the earth like the waters cover the sea. God wants to get glory in your victories. And I read this yesterday, I believe. Uh, this is a really neat statement. You know, let God get all the glory and let me get all the joy. <laughs> Amen. Oh, praise God. Let God get all the glory. I just want to have the joy of the victory in my life, of seeing my loved ones loving God with all of their hearts, of seeing sick people healed, of seeing miracles happen, of seeing lives transformed. This day, God wants to give you victory on this very Sunday. Praise God. So we defeat the enemy at least once a day. Hey, you can defeat the enemy four times a day or two times a day, but at least once a day, walk up to Goliath, speak these words with conviction, with faith, and get your victory every single day. Now I'm going to give you an example. I think I may have given it before, but there was this person at work a long time ago that mess me up, man. She tried to get me fired. I, it was horrible. She lied about me. And it was, it was terrible. It was a very, very stressful time in my career way back when. And so, you know what? I had some unforgiveness in my life. So my Goliath was unforgiveness. I hated this lady. <laughs> I hated her. I didn't want to see her. I didn't want to talk to her. I didn't want to have anything to do with her. But you know what? The Holy Spirit convicted me and said, this is your Goliath. And so you know what I did every single day? I'd say, God, I forgive her. I did. I, it was a, an act of my will. Did I feel like I'd forgiven her? <laughs> Not even. I have no feeling of forgiveness whatsoever. I still hated her. All right? But then I'd get up the next day. One, one day's a victory. I did it. I forgave her. Next day, get back up again. In the name of Jesus, I forgive her. You know how long it took me to finally start feeling like I'd forgiven this person? Four months of daily victory. Four months of daily victory. You know what? Your, your enemy confronts you and wants to see if you're serious. Battles don't get won in a day. But victories do happen on a daily basis. And at some point, you're going to get your victory if you start taking this daily victory approach that God wants you to take. All right. So in verse 47, all those gathered here, 
David says, all those gathered here will know that it's not by sword or spear that the Lord saves. No, because the battle is the Lord's. The battle is the Lord's. Now, this is, this is tough for me to understand, and it's tough for us to understand, I'm sure. But, you know, if the, if the battle is the Lord's, then what part do I play? I mean, come on, God, if you're going to do it, then do it. You're almighty, you know, just go do it. That's the cynical part of me that, you know, get, you get down in the dumps. You don't see anything happen. You say, I thought you were almighty, God. Go ahead, do it. Just do it. Come on. I mean, I've had those conversations with God before, and I bet you have as well, if you were to be totally honest. All right. But you know what? It's somehow a joint thing that God wants you to step on the battlefield, walk up to your enemy in faith, and say, the battle is the Lord's. He's right behind me. <laughs> you know. Or in the cases we'll see with Goliath, oh, by the way, he's actually behind you. And I'll share with you why God was behind Goliath. But he wants you. The battle is the Lord's. But you need to go out and confront your enemy in the authority of God so that God's power can be displayed. And so he says, the battle is the Lord. He will give you into my hands as the Philistine moved closer to attack him. Now, so close. They can see each other's eyes. They can see everything. David runs even more quickly into the battle line to meet him. Reaching into his bag, he took that one stone. One simple prayer, guys. Just, just whisper one prayer. Just quote one scripture to the enemy. That's what Jesus did. 40 days, 40 nights. No recorded event that Jesus could ever hear the voice of his father. How he heard the voice of his father, he spoke his father's word. I'm telling you, there's power in speaking a, a verse, speaking a scripture that's appropriate to your situation. If you're suffering and you don't have enough money to pay the bills, my God will supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. It's going to silence the enemy. You've just spoken it. He's just, he, can't, he can't argue with the word of God. There's nothing the enemy can do. One small stone, one small prayer, one quoted scripture in your situation. He ran, runs at the enemy. He slings his stone. It strikes the Philistine in the forehead. The stone sinks into, sinks into his forehead. And look at this. He falls face forward. If you hit, get hit hard in the head, you're, you're going to go backwards. But you know what? God was standing behind that Goliath, towering over, towering over that enemy. And you know what? He just shoved him down and killed him instantly. And that's what God wants to do with your situation, with your problem, with your impossibility. He's towering over your problem. And David, in some spiritual sense, could see that. You know what? I'm not scared of this guy. My father is 10 times bigger than this nine-foot Goliath. And this happened as well, interestingly enough, in Jericho. In Jericho, those Israelites, seven days, circle the city. And it's interesting that the, the walls, archaeologically, uh, we, we find that they fell outward. The walls fell outward. They didn't cave in. They fell outward. You know why? Because the power of God was already in that city. God just, he just opened up and knocked those walls outward. God's already inside your problem. He's already towering over your problem. He's just waiting you for you to go confront in, in the authority that God has given you. 
so that his power can begin to move wonderfully. And so God shoves this giant forward, kills him. So look at this. This is amazing how God works. So David triumphed over the Philistine. Now we know the victory was, was from God, but God wants you to win. God wants people to know that you beat the situation. God wants people to know that you had the victory. I don't know why God does that. God is so good. David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. In other words, by no humanly explained means, without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. David ran and stood over him. And we need to do this a lot of times. We get this relief. We're like, oh, I feel a little bit of peace. I'm going to relax a little bit. Don't do it. <laughs> You're not look. You haven't gotten your reward yet. All right. You haven't finished the victory yet. Ran over to his enemy. He pulls the Philistine sword, draws it from the sheath, and he kills him. And then he goes ahead and just finishes the job and cuts the giant's head off. He cuts off the head that had been lying for 40 days, twice a day. Lion, 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 threatening danger. He cut it off so that he would never, ever hear that giant's voice again. We need to finish the job. And we're going to talk about that just a little bit more here in just a second. But look at this. As soon as he does this, the Philistines see that their hero is dead. They turn and run. Now look at this just for a second. Every time, and we read this in the story, every time the Goliath would come out and start talking, the Philistines would run in terror. Excuse me, the Israelites would run in terror. It would run away. The, the battle line would just melt away simply because this guy was talking. They ran. The tables now were turned and the enemy was running instead. Don't you want your enemy to begin to flee from you? To run away from you? You stand up and he gets so freaked out so scared that he runs away from you and you can't even hear him anymore. Wouldn't you like that to happen? Well, in James 4, 7, and this is teeing up for our next three Sundays, submit yourselves then to God. Submit yourselves then to God. Then you can resist the devil and he will flee from you. He will begin to run away from you. He will be scared of you instead of you being scared, to him, uh, scared of him. Submit yourselves to God. That is going to be something we're going to explore. I'm telling you, you know your biggest Goliath is? Every single person in this room, me included, is yourself. Your biggest Goliath is your very own self, your old self. And we're going to talk a lot more about that. When you start getting victory over yourself... You're going to be unstoppable, absolutely unstoppable. But more on that starting next Sunday. So the men of Israel and Judah, they surge forward. No longer are they running away. They've seen their enemies laying, lying there. There's all these, these men who have been terrifying them. They're running, so they surge forward. With a shout, they pursue the Philistines to, not into, look at this, to the entrance of Gath and the gates of Ekron. Why did they stop at the gates? <laughs> Why didn't they go into the gates and finish the job like David had finished it? God wants you to finish the job. So often, I just said this, we get a little bit of relief from our suffering, from our situation, and we stop. Don't stop. 
when the victory is moving, you keep moving until the victory is finalized. In Matthew 16, 18, it's, Jesus says, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell won't overpower it. What is that telling us? The church needs to go to the gates of hell and overpower the gates of hell. Get in there and save people literally from the, the jaws of death. Finish the job. When you have the victory, finish the job. Well, what does that mean? Well, if you're struggling with pornography and you start, you're like, you know what? I'm going to stop looking at this stuff. Finish the job. If you're getting it from Instagram, cut off the, the whatever, you know, your access. Get, finish the job. Get rid of it. If you're having problems with gossiping and talking bad about people, you know, and, and you finally feel a little freedom from it, get rid of the friends who you gossip with. Finish the job. If you've had trouble with abusing alcohol, all right, and you finally have a little bit of self-control, don't go out anymore. Stop the social drinking. Stop the excuses. Finish the job. Get rid of it. Go all the way. You know, if you're getting a little bit of spiritual victory and you, you come on Sunday mornings and you're, you can't wait to get to church and, and you're, feed, you're feeding and feasting from the word of God, finish the job and come on Wednesday nights and be part of discipleship. Finish the job. Go all the way. Don't stop at the gates of Ekron. Don't stop where you could have gone all the way and gotten complete victory. So the dead were strewn all along this, these roads. The Israelites returned from chasing. They shouldn't have chased the Philistines. Finished the job. This just aggravates me. Aggravates me. But then they plundered the camp. And there again is the reward. I'm telling you, when you get spiritual victory, God is going to reward you in unbelievable ways. There's, I can't find an example in the Bible where there wasn't victory followed by an unbelievable reward. All right, so here's another thought. <laughs> I like this. You know, David, one guy goes out there, he wins, and all of a sudden, everybody else starts winning as well. If you get your victory, you're not going to be the only one enjoying victory. There's going to be a lot of other people enjoying that victory with you. And so David took the Philistine's head. Can you imagine this guy? That head had to be huge, nasty, you know, bleeding all over the place. Horrible look. And we need to get that graphic in our mind because that's what it is to be somebody who's going to really seek the Lord and go after the enemy. It's going to be graphic. He's carrying this, this head. <laughs> and so uh, he takes the Philistine's weapon into his tent. Then look at this. We're almost done here. In fact, done in just a minute. It says, as Saul watched David going out to meet the Philistine, he said to Abner, the commander of the army, Abner, whose son is that young man? <laughs> Who is that guy? I mean, surely he comes from a well-known family that's taught him a lot of bravery. Bravery. Surely he's somebody well-known that we just forgot, that we overlooked. And Abner says, he says, surely as you live, your majesty, I have no idea who this kid is. I have no idea who this kid is. And so the king says, find out whose son this young man is. And I'm telling you what, God, God wants to use you. You're a nobody. I'm a nobody. 
We're not famous. We're not well-known. We don't have a lot of connections. We're not rich. We, we haven't had tons of experience, accolades, or credentials. But God wants to use nobodies to do unbelievable things. All he's looking for is a little bit of courage, a little bit of bravery. Stop the self-pity for crying out loud. Stop languishing in your misery and go stand in the spiritual sense. Go stand against your enemies and start reaping the rewards. But before, uh, before we finish here, let me just mention one other interesting thing. So this happens immediately. It says immediately he comes back with the Philistines, you know, sword in his head. <laughs> but he comes back to the king and the commander of the king's army. What on earth was the king and the commander doing sitting there waiting for David to come to them? The whole army had just run after the Philistines. They were gone. There were probably three people standing there. David, the king, and the commander. What was King Saul doing? Why wasn't he on his horse leading the charge in front of his armies? And Abner, the commander of the Lord's army, sitting back and not doing anything, wanting to know who David was? What a pair of idiots. If you think about it, they just should have been leading the charge. And I tell you, you need to be leading the charge in your family. You need to be leading the charge in your community. You need to be doing something instead of waiting for someone else to do it. Go take up your spiritual weapons. Go take up those small prayers. Go take up those scriptures and start using them and stop waiting for someone else to do your work. Start being the man or woman of God that God has called you to be. Does everybody get that? I'm, I'm convicted. I'm not pointing at you. I'm, you know, I've got three fingers pointing out back at myself. We've got to get with it, guys. I'm telling you, the time is short, and God has a purpose for our lives. Individually and collectively, let's start being who God has called us to be. So, of course, David tells them, they say, who are you? I'm son of Jesse, your servant in Bethlehem. There's so many more things in the following chapters that we could look at. I encourage you to read 1 Samuel 18, 19, 20, 21. Read it all the way through. Get what God has given you. These are things that I got just from jotting down. I'm reading the Bible, and these things are just popping off the page. You can do the same thing in your own devotions. You don't need me to do this. You can do it for yourself. What does it take? A little bit of time. Use what God has given you. Get up in the morning. Decide, you know what? I get up at six because I got to get my kids ready and then I got to go to work and I got to do this. Get up at 5.30. Well, then I got to go to bed early. Well, then go to bed earlier. <laughs> do what you have to do. All right? Use what you have. And God is going to start giving you victories like never before. So I'll end with this. And I've already mentioned it. Nobody's win spiritual victories because they don't rely on their own strength. And God wants us to do that. Stop relying. Stop looking inside of you. Stop trying to dig deeper. God wants to be the one who gives you the victory. He's, he's the one with all the power. Let's pray. Let's pray.